fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to F Triple G BT. Now, this is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology and we make it a reality. We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn. With me, the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Dennett. Dan, it is great to be here. And I do like occasionally like pushing my boundaries, testing my limits, challenging mm -hmm. what I know and don't know. And mm -hmm. uh, we're going into some unknown territory for me here. I, I really am excited to... Um, Push the limits of my knowledge. <laughs> You've never spent time in a prison cell, Denon? Is that what you're saying? Uh, yeah, you said? no, I never, never have. Never hard time, Denon? No. I never have, yeah. So. Okay. I, I, didn't know, I didn't know that, but I'm glad to know that now. Um, <laughs> but I think that there is one man who we can't really know if he's ever been in an intergalactic prison or not, <laughs> or if he's escaped from one, and that's our enigmatic engineer, Ben Siebser. Ben, how are you doing up in your little world circling the Earth? Dan, I'm doing great. But unfortunately, recently here on the brain station, I got trapped in an airlock. It was a harrowing experience, but luckily I was able to draw on some of my pop culture heroes to calm myself and engineer a solution. <laughs> I love that, Ben. That's what I've always come to rely on you for, are beautifully engineered solutions. And we're going to need them for today's episode. Uh, and I have to say, guys, I don't mean it. You know, I you know I don't like to toot my own, own horn. I wouldn't <laughs> be caught doing something as gauche as that. But I have to here because I think I showed my dedication to my film and television mastery because, you know, I watched Escape from New York, John Carpenter's 1981 classic. You know I like to keep my finger on the modern pulse <laughs> of cinema, so why not watch a movie from 40 years ago? Uh, but this was, this really captured my attention, this idea of having a prison the size of Manhattan Island. I like this idea. It then led me to Escape from L.A., which is similar very, very similar, uh, actually, uh, but also a little bit different. And then Escape from Alcatraz. So I'm not sure what institution can really hold me at this point because I can, I've seen escapes from all of the major metro metropolis metropolis <laughs> wait what am i trying to say metropolis? here metropolis. metropolis i don't know what i'm trying to say here, but you can't hold me. No matter what you say, no matter what words you make up, you're not keeping me in. Dan, I, this is really fascinating. You know, not to toot your horn too. You know, you mm -hmm. mentioned watching classic movies. You've been watching these '80s movies and stuff. Um, yeah. In a similar theme, because I'm going to stretch it here. Um, I recently watched Labyrinth. You know, with my kids to oh. catch them up. Mm -hmm. And Labyrinth sure. is about escaping too. Um, yeah. Again, pointing out that I have no prison experience, I go to the movie <laughs> Labyrinth to discuss prisons. <laughs> well, some of these movies, some of these prisons are a labyrinth, so it is difficult to get out, as we'll see with the famous 1962 Escape. I mean, they really had to figure a way out. Uh, there wasn't a Minotaur in the center, which I don't think there was in that movie either. Uh, but there isn't a classic <laughs> labyrinth, of course, the Greek yeah. uh, Greek fame. Uh, but none there. But it, it is interesting how you can kind of how do you keep people in? How do you stop them from getting out? And it's going to be kind of the theme here. But, you know, when I watched Escape from New York, I have to start on an ominous note here, guys. You know, I'm always bright and sunny, uh, but I'm going to start with an <laughs> ominous note here, which is it was so weird to see Snake Plissken 
uh, the main character of this movie, flying in on a on a hijacked. Well, no, actually, wasn't it? it was the, the the president of the United States on a hijacked airplane flying towards the Twin Towers. It was super weird to see that, especially because they crash into a building. Uh, it was bizarre. It's also always bizarre to see the Twin Towers in a movie. Uh, but that's how old this was. But it was it, that set the stage for me that this was going to get dark and apocalyptic, and hopefully this will never come to pass. The yeah, prison no. system, obviously, I mean. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Dan, I can only imagine I haven't rewatched it in that same uh, visceral way that you have, um, right? But that is a, that is a weird thing when we have Super those sort weird. of moments and things that are preserved in film that are just odd like that. Yeah, very weird timing. Uh, but so let's talk about this movie. It's it's basically the inspiration for what we're going to talk about. Could you have a prison that is the size of a city? Uh, I mean, not even a city. New York is one of the largest cities in the world. Manhattan Island is dense. Uh, there were a lot of people there. Um, you know, it's got some interesting pros and cons here. I'm guessing one of those lists is going to be longer than the other. But I am curious what your initial impressions were about having a prison that's roughly, you know, seven or eight square miles. Uh, my initial impression, bad idea, Dan. Um, okay. I, and since I'm working on short answers, I'll stop there. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I can't. I can't. I have to keep going. Keep going. Um, keep going. Let's hear it. But no, I just, I feel like I, I don't quite get the point. Um, one, it's very large, um, but not super large. I don't know. Like, it's a weird size. And two, like, there's so much infrastructure and resources. What are you thinking? Like, talk about giving people a means of escaping. You're, you're mm -hmm. like, just inviting it. You're asking for it. So I don't really know where you go with that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it, it's it, Manhattan is very big, and it, and it's labyrinthine, labyrinthine, yeah, uh, too. <laughs> labyrinthine, you know, I, I believe. Labyrinthine, labyrinthine. labyrinthine. Anyway, yeah, potato, uh, potato. <laughs> <laughs> the the point is, there's lots of tall buildings. There's places to hide. There's the infrastructure. Yep. There's tunnels. You know, who knows what you know? 18th and 19th and 20th century. You know, tunnels under the river there are that would let people escape that some, you know, crazy robber baron built. Um, but also it's so easy to hide and stuff there. And, and yeah, I guess that you don't really care about control on the island. But, it, you know, it, it, it'd be so hard to really enforce, make any kind of enforcement there. I mean, look at it. They, you know, how hard, it was so hard to find the president because there's so many places to hide there. You know, not the best choice, in my opinion. Well, I think it's I think a couple of things are interesting. Number one, I think it's interesting that I corrected your pronunciation when I started this episode, basically in a <laughs> stuttering fit and possibly having a hard time getting a word out. Uh, but second, I think it's you know, when I think of this idea and when, you, when I start watching these prison movies and as I was doing research on this, it seems strangely humane in a way, a humane alternative to our regular prison system, which is mm -hmm. to lock up someone with another psychopath, uh, sometimes psychopath, definitely dangerous, mm -hmm. in a four by four, six foot, six foot cell and keep them there indefinitely. This seems like if you're if you're going to do that, put people in an area where they can at least, you know, give them what they need. They can create their own society. If you're really going to separate, if you're going to cut out people from society, at least let them create their own. Mm -hmm. um, this to me, I, you know, I'm sure that there are pros and cons of this as well, but it felt humane is what I'm saying. You know, Dan, I think that's an interesting question. And, and for me, it, it goes from like, what is the purpose of a prison 
versus, say, a prison colony versus a prison the size of Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. You really want to sort of think through, are you... Are you doing this just to keep them separate from your society? Are you doing it for true punishment? Or are you mm -hmm. actually hoping to re rehabilitate and, mm -hmm. and re-enter into society? And in some ways, I totally agree with you that, you know, our current prisons make no sense from most goals, except mm -hmm. as like kind of perhaps cruel punishment and isolation. Right. Um, you know, in principle, a prison the size of a city um, could be more humane. I, I don't feel that so much from the movie um, watching it <laughs> that it was done that way. Mm -hmm. um, right. I do think, you know, we have the great example of Australia as a prison colony, which I think initially was mm -hmm. not also done very humanely. Mm -hmm. But you right. could imagine a version of, you know, we don't really want you with us. I mean, this is still not a good thing, but we're just going to give you a continent. Now, the problem is there were other people on that continent. There were other things going on. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there are right. all sorts of issues. But th the general idea is not necessarily bad. I think it's all in the execution. Yeah. The other the other thing about Manhattan is it's, it's prime real estate. I don't know. I mean, I, I get the movie was made in the 80s when, uh, you know, downtowns were kind of on the downswing. But nowadays, sure. you know, I don't think I'd want to give up Manhattan. You know, you, you got to think about, um, you know, what islands are available to us. If, if we're going to go with an island and we, you know, we can't really use Australia, you know, do we say, how about Staten Island? You know, it's, it's <laughs> more separated. There's probably mm -hmm. less tunnels, if any at all. Right. Uh, right. I think it's only accessible by ferry, really. So, you know, you, you know, that there's better approaches to this than, you know, the biggest, densest part of the country. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I mean, that is an interesting thought. Those are all things to think about because, you know, this, how do you, keep, you know, how do you do this? How do you keep people from escaping? I mean, that is kind of the key to a prison, right? You don't put people in so that they can, they can escape, you know, and, and not only this, not only was it an escape from New York, but you know, Arkham city, which is a great video game where Batman is, is put into a prison. That's this, you know, the, the, the slummy parts of, of Gotham city are kind of walled off and, you know, all the criminals are set loose in there. So this is, this is an idea that exists in popular culture, but it is difficult. How do you you know, do you, do you put up a, a big wall like they do in, in Arkham City? Do you patrol all the waterways? And, you know, are there hidden passages? Some of these cities are really old. I know in Los Angeles, there's a whole network of, of underground tunnels that are not easily accessible. But if you've got nothing but time on your hands, as we'll see <laughs> later on, uh, what mm -hmm. prisoners are capable of with very modest resources, what they can do. Uh, this is something to consider, and I don't know what the answer is. Well, this is where, you know... Bodies of water of different size and danger become interesting. You know, Australia is very isolated. I think this is why the British thought of it. And with the technology of the time, you're not really leaving Australia easily, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think this is why Alcatraz is where it was, right? The, mm -hmm. the, that, that bay is, is not, you know, easy to get across. It's doable, perhaps, but certainly uh, very hard. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas Manhattan... I mean, now I don't know how clean the rivers are and if you'd want to swim in them. Um, I feel like they're getting better. I don't know what it was like in the 80s, but they're, not they're, good, certainly, not, not they're certainly not yeah. that far. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> I mean, you might die of disease on the other side, but, you know, as, as a barrier, they're not that difficult to navigate. Um, and so a wall is one thing, but, yeah, tunnels are everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, they're also warm uh, comparatively, you know. <laughs> I mean, not yeah, in the right. winter, but, you know, most most time of the year, the, the East River and the Harlem River are not, 
not particularly cold. You're not going to get instant hypothermia like you do in the San Francisco Bay where the water never really breaks 50 uh, or 55. <laughs> yeah. um, and I mean, you, you're not going to get swept out into the Pacific Ocean as likely like you will. Well, you're definitely not getting swept out to the Pacific Ocean in, <laughs> from <laughs> Manhattan. Trip. You're in the right. Atlantic Ocean, but you're not getting swept yeah. out into the ocean as easily as you are you know, in, in the San Francisco Bay where those tides through the Golden Gate are very, very dangerous. That those intergal those intercontinental riptides can be yeah. disastrous. <laughs> I mean, truly disastrous. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting. I mean, it is why you know why Alcatraz was is such an interesting template for this because mm -hmm. it is an island. It's not as big as a city, but but it was you know the prison was put there because it was so difficult to escape. You do mm -hmm. have the bay, which is incredibly cold. You know, uh, it, it's it's surrounded by it's difficult to get out. Uh, there, there's just so many factors put into place that make it difficult. But that, I don't know if it scales. Alcatraz may have been probably about as big as it could go because when you look at Manhattan, you've got subways all over the place, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. Um, but the other trick is that you have, when you have a bunch of people inside of a city like that, in a prison, you've got gangs running wild, right? So now you've got gangs that can take over streets or take over places where you can sleep. There are, it would be on that mass scale, if you're putting someone in there, it's also difficult to extract them. So you're kind of, when you get put into a place like this, that's it. I mean, this is, you know, for people who are, are really serving life and no possibility of parole. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, it, it's, but it would be interesting to see because there is actually a prison uh, in in San Pedro in Bolivia that kind of does this. So there, there is um, there is a, a template for this type of, of situation, but not one as large as as New York. I think that the scale part is, is kind of tricky, I think. I think it is. I also think it would be interesting, the, the social dynamics when you have the resources of a city, right? Mm -hmm. um, right. I mean, even, you know, in the movie, it's implied that there's, you know, it's sort of gone, um, you know, really way more bad than we ever thought it would. But there's just still a lot of stuff around um, to start building interesting sort of societies and not you know, not what we think of as the classic gangs even, but right, right. sort of yeah. more functioning communities. I mean, you, right. th there is still like Central Park and you could start gardening and you could imagine mm. agricultural farming. Um, you could. You could. No, yeah, but right. I mean, it, it, it's an interesting, right, which you're not going to do in a prison, right? You're not going to suddenly start your own gardening commune in the middle of the prison. Bad um, things I think would happen to you if you started a, 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 a garden yeah. in the prison yard. But you're not even going to be able to, right? I mean, right. Mm -hmm. functionally. Yeah. But but in New York, right. there's all sorts of like stuff you can do that you just really can't in a prison that can change the dynamics. Yeah, I mean that is the beauty of the, the a city or an area as large as Manhattan. You you do have you have parks everywhere. You've got um, you know community gardens everywhere. You you have these opportunities that you're just never going to have in a you know regular old prison. Well, what's interesting is there is a funny scene in Escape from New York where uh, Snake Plissken, which is just one of the best names of all time, <laughs> where he, he walks into the Fox Theater uh, in, in New York and there's a, a whole play going on, but it's it's all men doing, you know, doing the performance, which just harkened back to the Shakespeare times where men were kind of played all the roles as well. Like mm -hmm. Entertainment still exists. And it, in some ways, exists how it originally was created. So there, there is a weird precedent for this. But I thought that that was really fascinating. Yeah, I mean, it just goes <laughs> to show you, I mean, that a 
even in a in a society of you know hardened criminals, you know they still have the same needs and desires that regular people have. You know, you want entertainment, you want um, security, and all this stuff, and you're going to get some sort of a society created in an area like that to that will recreate a lot of what we have on the outside. Well, and it's interesting because the San Pedro prison, I want to talk about this for a second. So this is a, a minimum security prison in Bolivia that's completely run by prisoners. There aren't any guards inside the prison itself. This is very similar to anyone who's watched Prison Break season three. Uh, they, they're in Sona, uh, which is, I think, supposed to be in Panama. which That's not a real place. Uh, but this I, I feel like it was kind of modeled after this particular prison. But this is interesting. I mean, you, you've got families living in this prison. You know, it is minimum security, which is not what Escape from New York was. Uh, <laughs> so it's a little different. But you do have people who are in there for maybe drug offenses. Uh, you have to buy your own house. You actually have to go in and buy a piece of property from someone else. You can leave this prison uh, if you after you served your time. They have a democratically elected mayor and a treasurer who gets funds from taxes. They have schools for kids. So it, it, on a small level, this is doing some of the things that you were talking about, Den, and where these groups of, of criminals get together. But instead of creating gangs necessarily, they, they do exist there as well. But they're creating societies and communities that are more helpful and beneficial to all involved instead of gangs, which are really just parasites sucking resources away. Well, and I think that goes to this rehabilitation idea and a, and a kind of a creative model for that, right? A mm -hmm. lot of times what you really want for rehabilitation is a safe way for people to experience, okay, I've had experience X where I was treated a certain way. Um, what if I was treated to, you know, Ben's point, more hu more humanely, more uh, my humanity was embraced in a way that mm -hmm. I could actually like take chances with it, experiment with it, see what it's like um, to live a different way and be treated a different way. Right. Um, I think that's a cool idea behind sort of rehabilitation in a very positive sense of the word. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's one of the primary problems with you know the American you know justice system is, you know, our, our prisons are not focused on rehabilitation. You know, we live in a society here in, you know, on the outside for the most part. And if you treat people in prison not that way, they're not going to be prepared to come out and they're not going to feel like they can integrate in that. You need to give people a way to feel like they, they're going to have a, a place outside and having them skills like that, you know. I bet the mayor of San Pedro prison, if when they get out, I bet I bet they're a pretty good person. I bet they got some interesting executive skills that they can put to <laughs> right. use when right. when they when they finish their term. Well, it is interesting. I did this whole episode on fasting nouns about cancel culture, right? And so what's the, the downside of cancel culture, and there are several, but one of the main is that there's no chance of redemption for the person who has been canceled. And I think that that's what's missing from the prison system is there's no ability to say, hey, you know what? I screwed up. Now about I've done my time. This this now I can try to start something new. You always have the albatross of I'm a former convicted felon. Yeah. And you know, for some of the crimes, especially when you're looking at drug crimes now, you know, when you see how ridiculous some of these crimes are, uh, that we don't even, th I mean, you can go and buy 
marijuana. I, I can walk to the place now. It's raining outside, but I can do that. And although it was illegal at the time, our our society has progressed to a point where it's not a big deal. Yet there are people doing life sentences. Yeah. And if they get out, can they be reintegrated? These are there's you know the, this isn't an episode about how we can reform the prison system, but it is strange about how this particular prison that is like a a, a community. They have to have jobs, so they have to find money. There was one guy who, you know, was an entrepreneur and gave tours to tourists, and so he would charge $5 and take them into this prison. That's the type of ingenuity that a lot of drug dealers actually have, believe it or not, but now let's put it to good use. Let's start a, a business that's good for society instead of being a plague on society, and I think you can do it. I think it's possible. And you know what? Evidence of that, Dan— is that the three of us, who could be a plague on society if we were doing something else <laughs> and use this time other ways, right. um, we put it to good use and we made mugs. Sure. <laughs> and we made mugs that everyone can enjoy. Um, and so you right. should go to you know our, our website. Um, this is an I Am The Physics Phenom mug, which is clearly the top seller. That's what everyone really wants to be, is right. a physics phenom. Um, I, I don't know, Dad. I mean, I love your hat. But mm -hmm. it doesn't quite match this hat, you know, <laughs> at that scale. Wrinkled, yeah. So I think that's why they're going to buy the Physics Phenom mugs. But it, it really is, you know, it, it shows us taking, you know, the path that you always advertise at the end of the episode. I mean, mm -hmm. I know it's not going to be a surprise, so it's not a spoiler. Um, <laughs> but we have chosen to be superheroes um, when we easily could have put our powers. Well, we do worry about Ben. But other than that, we easily could have put our powers to evil. <laughs> Yeah. No, it is true. And that it isn't a spoiler. It isn't every episode. So unless this is the first episode you've ever seen, uh, you know what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, the other important thing is even while imprisoned, one needs to hydrate and one can do that <laughs> with with the fascinating gadgets, gizmos and gear based technology water bottle. And also, you know, if you get into a little tussle, you know, it's it's not. It's not so bad for uh, hitting people with, too. <laughs> it's not a shift, Hence but, but it's a club. Hence the evil engineer um, yeah. mythos. But, but I, I think, you know, we, we talk about this rehabilitation, and there's examples even in our world. You know, um, the American system is not so great on this, but many countries in Europe and around the world do have re rehabilitation-first systems. And, you know, if you think about higher, you know, if you think about someone coming out of a prison in those places— you're thinking about someone who's ready to be in society, has been trained, has learned skills, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And the problem is we don't treat prisoners that way in this country. Um, but, you know, if we were to approach a society type prison system like we see in Escape from New York, maybe with less, uh, um, you know, underground <laughs> uh, gangs that, you know, come through floorboards and kill people. But, you know, it's not ideal, have, Ben. I agree with you. It's not an ideal. If you have a more civilized society in the prison, you know, that can teach those skills that allow for actual rehabilitation. Yeah, it is an ideal, Ben. I agree with you. Uh, it's not, but we could work on it. I think there, there are models, which, which are I models. think are, are interesting. But, you know, there, there, there are so many... I think there is a lot of, in some ways, wasted talent in a prison, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, I just did an episode of Fasting Nouns about the OSS, and this is the precursor to the CIA, and they have a, they had a documents forging division. Where did they find the best forgers? They found mm -hmm. them in prison. They were working for the government. You know, uh, <laughs> that's you know there are brilliant people there. Uh, and I have to say, when it comes to prisons, I have just always been fascinated by prison technology. What people can make in a prison 
with the very limited resources. The ingenuity of prison weapons is just astounding. You know, besides the, you know, the classic weapons and armor, you know, uh, but it is interesting the things you can do with newspaper and soap. Uh, you know, you can harden newspaper with soap. Uh, it, 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 it's it brings up a lot of different things, not including, you know, the, the, the king of all this, as we mentioned, Alcatraz. Not only is it the, the model for uh, a standalone prison, but the escape from Alcatraz is just super impressive. So I imagine, you know, the things you guys know, shivs aside, there are some pretty cool things that, that are made in a prison. Well, I think, Dan, it goes to the fundamental and uh, challenge we mentioned. A city makes it even worse because you have so much more raw material. But when you think about a prison... Um, if your goal only is incarceration and keeping people there, um, there is this challenge that, you know, chemistry is everywhere. I mm -hmm. mean, you have your your quote of, you know, nature is um, – wait, wait. Oh, is I got it wrong. You have it on a shirt for me. Biology is nature's technology. Dan, my brain is not working today. <laughs> it's um, okay. So it's okay. My brain is not my technology today, but biology <laughs> is nature's technology. But, Fair enough. But, you know, you mentioned the newspaper and soap. I mean, you have to give people stuff. Mm -hmm. Right, like that is just the bottom line. There is stuff in a prison, right? And when there is stuff, there is the ability to do chemistry and make technology. Um, and humans have always been—I mean, we are tool-building creatures. We had a whole episode, Dan, sure on did. the evolution of technology. Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is what humans do: we build stuff. And so, you know, it's really kind of you know interesting bias that people have that somehow people in prison are not competent. Yeah, um, and yet they are just as intelligent, just as creative, the same as the rest of us. And so it's not surprising that they actually are even more creative in so many of the things they're able to do. And I will say with 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 Ben, well, I know what you're going to say here is he's an engineer. And so as you said, Denon, he takes stuff and then makes other stuff with it, which is really exactly. what we're talking about here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a little hurt, Denon, that you're only mentioning the chemistry here, you know. I think there's, you know, there's lots of engineering He's going biased. on too. There's, there's, yeah. you know, the there's the bedsheet ropes. There's the, there's mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the digging tool out of a spoon and a nail clipper. You know, yep. there's all this stuff you can do, um, repurposing the things you can find around a prison. And you mentioned, you know, the the. The devices out of spoons, the digging devices. We have to start with the 1962 Alcatraz escape, which to me is the GOAT. I mean, these are the greatest innovations of all time. In some ways, these really set the stage for what else I'm going to talk about. I did a whole Fascinating Nouns episode on Alcatraz. It's one of the early ones. Uh, so, you know, uh, go easy on me. It's one of my first times. But it's a good, <laughs> great episode. But here's some of the things that they created there, right? They created dummy heads made out of plaster, flesh tone paint that they got from the painting as part of your um, you know recreational activities you could have paint they got flesh tone paint they used human hair from the barber shop they read popular mechanics as the magazines uh, were coming by and they made they made life vests and a raft out of raincoats I think it was about 50 raincoats that they used they stitched them together or vulcanized them with steam uh, from the from the the steam pipes they made wooden paddles uh, they made a homemade drill out of a broken vacuum cleaner and they made a homemade periscope out of a canvas board, which I think is also part of the, the painting supplies. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, Ben. That and then, of right. course, 
they used mirrors, right? You got to use mirrors in a periscope. So I imagine even for you, Ben, being in this situation, you have to be pretty impressed with all the stuff that they used to make their daring escape, not the least of which are those digging tools that they got out of the vent and ended up getting out of the island. Pretty cool stuff. Yeah, it just it it goes to show that, you know, if you have time, you can engineer a solution to almost anything, you know, building that periscope, building those digging tools. But also there's, you know, there's the chemistry, you know, the reason they could dig out of their cells was the chemistry of the salt water degrading mm -hmm. the concrete in the Alcatraz cell blocks. You know, right. that that place had been there for almost 100 years or over 100 years at that point. And concrete doesn't do so great in salt water. And so you're or in salt air. And so, you know, things break down and they were smart enough to realize that it was broken and they'd be able to get through it eventually. He got back to chemistry, by the way, Denon. So, you know, he finished with yeah. chemistry leading right into you. Exactly. And, and also a previous episode where we tried to build a city underwater and we learned right. concrete is not great. Yeah. So right. there's a lot of good references in this. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really do wonder, you know, in this case, um, also, you know, we talk about, you know, the New York City having all these holes. I mean, when you think about a prison, you are going to need ventilation. You are going to need you know, in this case, they use steam, but you're going to need various other conduits and such. Mm -hmm. And it's always that interesting theme in the movies and even, I think, mm -hmm. in real life prison design. How big or small do you make vents? How big or small do you make the ducts? Because, you know, we always, as, right. as viewers, laugh, oh, why did they make that human size? But sometimes you're doing that for actual real engineering and airflow reasons. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you are limited in how small you can make certain things. Right. Um, and so... You know, there's an interesting balance there as you try and design something if your goal is to keep people from escaping. Yeah. Well, it also goes to show you the engineering of a old engineering of a cell block where you have this wide open, unguarded, unsupervised utility corridor behind all the cells because that's how things got built 100 years ago. That You needed that space to get air in because they didn't have forced air um, circulation back in the 1800s when Alcatraz was built. They, you just had a big space behind that had free airflow and then a little vent into each cell. You had pipes back there because that's where they put the plumbing in eventually. Um, nowadays, you would never build a prison that way. But why weren't they guarding? Why weren't they looking <laughs> in this giant <laughs> open space? You know, that's the hubris of, uh, of the correctional department, not really thinking creatively like the prisoners obviously were. Well, and this is the interesting part, right? This ties back to what we were talking about earlier, is supposedly Alcatraz was the inescapable prison. It's called The Rock, mm -hmm. right? But people found a way out. Their bodies weren't found. We don't know if they ever made it to shore, but we do know they didn't make it back into the prison. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> and, and they did get out. Yeah. So nothing is inescapable. And I think when you have a prison the size of a city, you do have all of these points of egress where you can get out with the right application and prisoners have nothing but time and they're always thinking about getting on, yeah. getting back to the outside and that innovate that that motivation uh equals innovation eventually yeah and they weren't the only ones either lots of other people escaped alcatraz but they're the only ones who never got whose bodies were never found or who got caught afterwards right right <laughs> <laughs> right the only quasi successful escape at yeah. least as far as myth and lore goes yeah we can yeah. we can agree on that uh but you know one of the things we got to talk about here is you know, a prison, it's not a, a friendly environment. We can agree on that. So a lot of the things that are created are to defend yourself. But some of these things are ingenious. You know, there's a zip gun, 
which is a term for a prison-made gun, and they have these, you know, something that can be disassembled to look like, you know, something that could would normally be in your cell and assembled quickly and turned into a gun. But there was one in Germany that was a 22 caliber gun made out of a staple gun. I'm using the word gun a lot, uh, but 22 caliber pistol, let's say, made out of a former <laughs> uh, you know, staple gun. This is this is crazy. And in 1994, there was a shotgun of uh, the same German prison. I mean, the Germans, they know how to engineer stuff, right? I mean, if you're going to look to an engineering society, you don't want to keep the, the Germans locked up. Uh, but this was made from iron bedposts. Uh, they had a charge that was made from pieces of lead from from uh, curtain tape and match heads. And they were ignited by AA batteries and a broken light bulb, which I'm guessing is the magnesium. Uh, this is a pretty inventive you know, a device that does take that ingenuity. You know, you need a a Walter White. You need an evil MacGyver uh, to be (laughs) able to make these things work. But this is what's possible. Well, I really, I'm just, this is something I, you know, Dan, since this seems to be the show to make references, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is one of the reasons I'm the friendly skeptic on Ancient Aliens, you know, Mm -hmm. now streaming on Netflix, which you can watch. Um, (laughs) And by the time this is up, you will have missed me at AlienCon, so sorry for that, everyone. Uh Um, (laughs) But, but, you know, so that's sort of a post um, advertisement. A post plug. A post plug. Um, Called a flex, I think. That's just a flex. That's what it's called? It has a technical term? Yeah. Um, But, but, it always gets me a little bit that we underestimate human ingenuity. Um, mm. And, you know, this is something that happens generically when we think about the past. We look at stuff and say, well, how could anyone ever have built that? Just because we didn't think of it doesn't mean another person wouldn't have. And I think mm-hmm. your prison technology examples are, are great, right? Like, this is why I, I, you know, I say this is stretching the limits of you know, my 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 skill set as, you know, a physicist as a person, I'm always panicked um, that I will end up in a situation where I have to be creative like MacGyver because <laughs> I know I will fail. Um, I think this is at the core right. of my apocalypse denial, Dan, is mm-hmm. like, because I know I'd be dead. So, like, it better not happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have something that, so I'm going to help you here. I got a couple of okay. recipes for you, Denon, that are going to work out here. So how about, how about, a, you You like, you, you've taken up archery, right? How about a crossbow? Here's oh, all yeah. you need. Here's all you need. Ten toothbrushes, parts of a cigarette lighter, uh, aluminum cafeteria tongs, a piece of wire from a coat hanger. Uh, arrows are made from tightly rolled paper, Q-tips, rolled up masking tape, Aluminum foil uh, that's found that were found in cigarette packs and other pieces of wire. Uh, the guards stole this this particular crossbow, this design. They tested it and found that it was accurate up to 40 feet. Now, again, I'm giving you a recipe without instructions. I do know we've talked about that in earlier episodes. I can't give you all the, the ingredients for flour without right. the ratios and the temperature. But with this stuff, they were able to make a crossbow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That is super cool. I I do feel like I could possibly make an actual just bow bow, because um, that's like a stick and string. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean it's a yeah. little more than that. Again, I, it's like the flower thing, Dan. I don't want to reveal all the secrets of the bow. <laughs> right. We don't want to give but our the audience any ideas. Seem to be straightforward. Yeah. Right. Right. Stick and string. Yeah, it's a little le- it's a little less uh, inconspicuous though, unfortunately. Yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> it's a lot more obvious when you're drawing a bow than a crossbow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hard, hard to hide the bow up your sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but it is interesting. Like, these are the things you can make. And I'm guessing, Ben, could you reverse engineer this? Could you take the ingredients and then make the thing? You know, to give another plug, I, I've seen the episode of Mythbusters where they try to recreate mm. these prison crossbows. And so yeah. I already I, I saw it. I know how you do it. Uh, so you got so, it. Oh, perfect. Yeah. If I want if but, I'm doing time, I want you as my cellmate. Yeah, it, it's just fascinating because, you know, there a lot of these, you know, you, you think about the simple machines, right? The engineering, right? Like the, these basic machines and, you know, the spring, the the um, the ramps, the wedges, all this stuff. You know, that's the that's the basic stuff you need to know to turn um, everyday materials into weapons like crossbows or or a regular bow if you're feeling a little more adventurous and robin hoodie uh in the slammer <laughs> well yeah i think something there <laughs> something there that you said ben is a theme we've had in the past right which is we've pointed out multiple times that fundamentally the way we generate energy right is to spin turbines mm -hmm. and we usually like like core technology has not changed that much and it fascinates me that the basic machines, right, the spring, the ramp, the coil, the screw, um, the, the wedge, the, rest the of lever, the, these have not changed. Mm -hmm. We've just gotten way better at using them or making them smaller or the mm -hmm. materials we use are better. Yeah. Right? right. So like the core ideas of this have not fundamentally changed. You know, I think if you want to. Think about it, because the last thing you need, the least you need, is some electronic-based technology, which is the, the branch of tech that's maybe hardest to do stuff with in the prison, but also the least necessary and useful. Mm -hmm. Like when we think mechanical design, that's straightforward in some ways, right? Yeah, that, yeah. that is my concern being an electrical engineer. Uh, you know, I'm not as familiar with the mechanics side of it. Uh, I, I think I'd have trouble uh, really mastering the... Uh, the prison crossbows and other devices. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, I've got something easy for you guys. This might be the most simple weapon you can make and it's delicious and nutritious. So apparently Jolly Ranchers were, mm -hmm. were uh, available to, to cer certain prisoners uh, in this particular facility. So what they would do is they would take, you know, they come in, you know, big bricks, well, big, the, the size of like your pinky brick. Well, hold on, I'm not explaining <laughs> this very well. If you don't know what a Jolly Rancher is, Google it, because I am in no shape to be able to explain what a Jolly Rancher is for some reason. But you take it's four- It's a big brick, Dan. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. But you take, it's brick shaped. I at least got that part right. Yeah. Uh, so you take four or five of these, okay? And you wrap them in tinfoil. And then you heat them so that they melt together. So now you've got a, just a big, long stick of Jolly Rancher. Then you sharpen it and turn it into an old-fashioned shiv. And for those of you who don't know, a shiv and a shank, I think, are, uh, you can enter, uh, they're interdisposable uh, term. Wait, that's not the word I'm using here. They're, uh, interchangeable. interchangeable. Thank you. Thank God. Uh, we're coming to the end of the episode here. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> interchangeable with shiv and a shank. But you just sharpen it. And then if you get caught with it, you can eat it. So it's the most <laughs> delicious thing to get stabbed with, I think, uh, mm. in the current prison system. Uh, maybe the most delicious thing since prison wine, also called Pruno, which I have a recipe for to close the episode with. So I don't know if there's anything about anything about uh, weapons you want to talk about or even the industry that's specifically designed to create unweaponizable devices for a prison, which is also something really interesting. 
Well, I think that reverse engineering piece is super interesting, Dan, just broadly, not just for the weapons, Mm -hmm. but to write, if you really want to think through, how do you try, if your goal is lack of escape, Mm -hmm. right? You have to understand that every material you're sending in can be used to make something, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So there's the infrastructure has been discussed, right? You don't design it with human-sized vents with large chambers that you don't guard behind the, the cells, right? right? Like that's yeah. that's prison design 101. Right. Um, now. But so you've, right now. <laughs> so you've got the design of the overall prison, and then you've got the question of what materials do you allow in or out and access to? So I think that 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 it, that could be a whole other episode, Dan. Well, we'll uh, say that's yeah, no. probably prison design. It's probably prison design 102, is I think, right, yeah. or, or maybe a 200 level, but it all makes sense. You got to use common sense. But the people who escaped before, now we know what to look for. But you know, the prisoners are always testing the system, like Velociraptors oh, yeah. in Jurassic Park. Uh, also, an episode we've recently done. <laughs> uh, so, all right, I, I'm gonna, are you guys ready for for the recipe for for prison wine, aka Pruno? Already, definitely. All right. Yes. Okay. So I will tell you first off that before I even look this up, I genuinely, th- I really believed this and I'm, I have no problem showing my stupidity. I truly believed that people took grape juice and put it in their prison toilet and let it ferment. Okay. Uh, the same, you know, I seem to have lots of misconceptions about toilets, Denon, as you've pointed out to me right, exactly. in, the, in the past. So <laughs> I, I got a learning curve here, but here's what I came up with. All right. So you got to get a hold of a couple things here. You got to get a hold of six to 12 oranges. You got to get a hold mm-hmm. of a Ziploc bag. You mm. peel them, you smash all the oranges up in that Ziploc bag. Probably a big, big bag, probably 10, 12 gallon. Get a can of fruit cocktail from the cafeteria, dump that in there, juice and all. So now you got a big bag of fruit. You need four packets of ketchup. You put that in there. You keep 40 to 60 uh, uh, ice, uh, not ice, uh, sugar cubes. Got to keep those handy. Don't put them in right away. Now, some recipes call for one to two pieces of toast for that yeast. Um, Ben, I believe when I was talking to you about this, you said that every, you know, just like sourdough, you can have the the flora, the natural flora and fauna, maybe of your prison toilet uh, Mm -hmm. to to make, uh, you know, use their own unique concoction to create uh, the certain bouquet that might be, you know, specific to San Quentin or wherever you're making this. Yeah. So you can use a piece of toast, use natural flora and fauna. So what you have to do is you have to take this bag, you run it under hot water, 30 to, to 50, 15 to 30 minutes, wrap it in a towel. You do this every day for seven days. And then at some point you add the sugar. I don't know where. Again, I don't know 100% how to do this. But you add the sugar cubes at some point. That's going to create the fermentation process. And in seven days, oh, also one of the key point here, while it's making, while it's you know fermenting is going to be air that's going to be building up. So you have to let the air out once a day, or you're just going to mm-hmm. explode and have a disgusting rotted fruit bomb, which is not what we're going for. But also, that's another improvised weapon maybe we can use in the future. But you let the gas out, you drain it, and in seven days, that liquid is going to be nice and prunorific. So that is how you make prison wine. I don't have any for you guys to try, uh, but how do you feel about maybe doing this as an experiment? You know, I, it, it does make me a, a tad nervous, Dan. Um, but you know, I, I'm always fascinated by um, more basic technologies for making wine. And also, I, I saw a whole episode once in making how they made ale in the medieval times, right before you really had um, a lot of the the hops 
that mm-hmm. that changes things. And and they use local flora and fauna. Well, probably just fa- um, flora. Sorry, not fauna. Um, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, they, you don't know. They use the local, you know, the, the local herbs and plants that they had to to give it its own special, unique flavor. Um, and, and and the ale would only last like a day or whatever because it didn't have the preservative qualities. So yeah. these things fascinate me. Yeah. Not sure I want to drink it, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I feel like, you know, that could be a whole nother um, um, podcast series. Fascinating drinks. <laughs> what a <laughs> snob. much shorter name. What Just a stop snob. There. What yeah. a snob, Denny. You're not going to try Pruno. I can't, be- I can't believe you. Well, I don't try most alcohol, so it's not really a question of being a snob or not. It's just. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I have an excuse, too. I'm a teetotaler. I don't drink at all, so I can't drink it. Yeah, uh, so yeah. I have a built-in excuse. I, I barely drink at this point. But I, I think <laughs> I would want to... I, I like the... I like. The, I think it's an interesting thing to try. I would. It would probably detract from the true experience. But I would at least want to do it, make it, you know, in proper sanitation. Uh, oh, <laughs> you, I know it's I lame, but you know, do the it. The alcohol kills everything, Ben. Do, yeah, you're fine. not at that concentration. Uh, <laughs> you know, especially right. not if, if it's bacterially fermented. Um, but you know, you know, have it. You know, pr- produce it in you know a proper fermenting jug with an airlock. You know, you'll still get pretty much the same thing, but you don't have to worry about you know some awful bacterias and things getting in there. <laughs> You say something like that in a prison, and you're going to get shivved immediately with a Jolly Rancher-based <laughs> weapon. You know what, <laughs> Dan? Sure. I think if I somehow managed to sneak in a fermenting jar with an airlock into a prison, I, I'd yeah. be the king of the king of the cell block. That is a fair point. That you you might, and that's the entrepreneurial spirit that I like to see in today's prison systems. Uh, I think that that is truly an inspiration, because I think people who have access to this stuff and who can make it, it's this is a this is a resource. This is you know. This is pretty cool stuff. As all knowledge is, guys, knowledge is truly a resource and a gift that we give to our audiences every single week. Uh, But if there's any additional piece of information you'd like to impart on our audience, now is the time. Airs addition to missions. Denon, anything you want to give to our audience that may help them survive any particular prison system, whether it be city size or, you know, regular prison size. Well, well, Dan, on a serious sort of um, note of sort of promoting things, mm-hmm. I, I would like to point out, you know, on this spirit of rehabilitation and improving the U.S. prison systems, I'm very proud to, you know, advertise for UCI that we have actually one of the first um, prison degrees that you can get. Um, it's an interesting program we're piloting this year, and it it's based on you could already get a community college degree, and you can use that to transfer um, and actually get a, a UCI degree while while in prison and come out, um, you know, with that as something to help you reintegrate into society. And we have our first class, and it's it's going amazingly well. And and you you know you talk about the ingenuity, intelligent intelligence and creativity of people. So that's my little you know upbeat, positive you know public service announcement there, Dan. I love um, that. Doesn't necessarily help you survive but you know it's sort of a, a a cool thing we're doing so i like to toot my own horn as it were well not actually i had nothing to do with creating this it's all other people yeah. in uci but you know what the hell i'll toot their horn you almost <laughs> took a lot of credit you didn't deserve there den and i'm very exactly I'm very but that's what i'm go- that's my gimmick I, i'm a vice provost i'm a vice provost that's what we do dad <laughs> right no that's that's fantastic i will say it is a little disappointing that your school does not offer a film or television degree uh but you do offer one for yes. prison so 
there is, it's yin and yang, you know, one good it thing, yin and yin. it makes up for the other. So uh, I like it. What about you, Ben? Uh, anything you want to talk about that we missed? Dan, I'm thinking about a different piece of media we haven't mentioned yet, which is not Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, but the movie The Rock with Sean Connery, which <laughs> yeah. is also about Alcatraz uh, and some other bioweapon stuff that isn't too important. But what, what, I, what I really liked about that is uh, how the ingenuity, again, of the engineering, you know, he, the way he, they get out of the prison there, the cells, is he fashions a rope with like some scrap metal from the bed and he wings it over to the lever and can open the cells that way. I have no idea how accurate that is. I would be very worried if the cells could just be opened by pulling a lever. There's no like lock on it or anything, but, uh, <laughs> right. you know, j just that, that, that idea that just in that amount of time over and over again of seeing this facility, eventually you come up with a way to open a cell while you're in the cell. Like that's the ingenuity that you have to be prepared for um, when you're trying to incarcerate people. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's really impressive. Uh, that is a good movie. That was the that rock is the precursor to Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. I think that rock yeah, came first. I'm sure he took the name from the movie. <laughs> I think so. I don't, I don't remember how it worked, but it's something like that. Uh, but, I, you know, I have something that I want to add here, and I'm going to go in, in your shoes here, Denon, uh, tooting my own horn, self-promotion. I did a whole fascinating announced episode on the history of whiskey, and I think you should review that episode before you try your hand at Pruno. Because uh, I think understanding <laughs> what a mash is, how to get that, you know, the alcohol out, because there's a, always a risk of going blind. And I think it's probably that sanitation, mm -hmm. Ben. I did give you a hard time about it, uh, but no one wants to lose, lose their eyesight over what mm -hmm. is possibly the worst alcohol on the planet. Uh, but of course, if you know another alcohol that's even worse than prison wine, let us know about it. You can find us on social media. We're on Facebook at Pod, Twitter. Wait, let's reverse that. We're on Facebook at FGGBT. BT. We're on Twitter at FGGBTPod, but you can get in touch with us individually. Denon, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Just flip my name at Denon Michael. Um, but Facebook, you stick in the prof at Prof Denon Michael. Ben, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. How do you spell that? Spell that B S I E P S E R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, and on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. And if you want to send an email to the show, it is questions at FGGBT.com. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss an episode. And tell us in the comments if you would try that, Pruno. Uh, you know if we would, but I want to know if you would. <laughs> well, I can give you my answer, and that is heck no. Uh, but I want to hear what you have to say as well. Because remember, we've given you lots of information that you can do all sorts of things with. Uh, but you remember, you want to take it and do good with it if possible. When given the choice, always be a superhero, never a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? 
We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, ftriplegbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there ftriplegbt.com. And before you leave, don't forget to check out our other episodes. You can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got, and you'll notice that we've got both a YouTube version and an audio-only version, depending on what you like. We got it for you, and if you do like those videos, you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well. We're on youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn. And once again, if you like this show, you're going to like everything that I do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.